California sent me, dude, what the what the hell is going on? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Alabama is in a Huntsville, Alabama is in a weird phase right now. We don't know where we're gonna be. Yeah. And it's like we don't have an identity anymore. <laughs> no, because it's not just like some space shit or some country Bama ass niggas yeah. like slay shit. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 we get it. We the Rocket City, but like what else are we trying to be known for? Like I feel like people are really trying to put Huntsville on for something more than NASA. <clears throat> but even like now we're just like the chain restaurant hub of of Alabama. all the the bigger cities basically like now we have the reality shows now we're getting bigger i guess nightlife kind of is on the way we got you the know, restaurant scene we got the amphitheater it's like we still are searching for our identity which is why how do i say it i felt like this was gonna happen which is why i was trying to be in the center of that by doing this i think i have to start giving us credit because i think we are i just think i don't dwell on that so i can keep pushing yeah for sure like we have a certain cachet we just don't think about it which i think is healthy yeah because you're not like, oh, we're. I think sometimes we also just don't really. I think both of our personalities. can't afford to think about it. Like, right. We be th- having shit going on. <laughs> right. And I think also, like, we're like, we joke that we bougie niggas, and we are, but it's not like unhealthy bouginess. It's a perspective. Like, we are both also lo- loners. At different parts. True. Even like the way we record, we don't just talk about our lives as much as we used to. Yeah. Because I think we both realize some things are sacred and we need to protect. I think that also really changed with me like around pandemic time. That's that's when I became more of a loner. Surprise, surprise. But... <clears throat> really up until then I was pretty social like I was always out I was always doing something but ever since then I feel like life just really turned on its head like shit just changed a lot of shit clicked for me a lot of shit unclicked for me so I I, I really feel like I wasn't as much of a loner until the last like two and a half years. As somebody on the outside looking in, I feel like you found yourself more after the panoramic. Yeah. You had time to sit and think about things because I never stopped working. I didn't have the time to have aha moments on my off days, I made time to find myself. And that's when I was working five days a week. So those two days, I would social distance like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. 
but I think you had time to reflect and grow as the woman that you became, which is a beautiful journey. And I'm also envious. <laughs> hard times. It was, it was hard times. I respect Crucial, it. but very hard. But I feel like your growth as a human was uh, watered during that time. I don't know. I kind of feel like your pandemic journey was kind of explosive as well. Like you got way heavier into dating than you have ever been. Yeah. And that I feel like changed your life drastically. It has. Like, I feel like with that, you were able to finally realize like, I am that nigga. Like, this is true. I do be getting these bitches. Cause you was juggling a good, <laughs> good little roster for a good little minute. Like a good little minute. I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is true. I, in the last three years, I've dated more than I did in the 31 years before mm-hmm. the panoramic. And it was also an inward journey. And I also, I did do work on myself during that time. And I think I did water the uh, plant of my life. But dating also added a whole nother level to my life that I had neglected and it's just like before the pandemic I was joking with you I was like it's amazing the things you can do when you don't think about sex all the time (laughs) (laughs) and then I I ended that whole dynamic and it was just like nigga this shit is a lot opposite direction I'm glad for that journey because I am closer to finding myself than I would have been if I hadn't. If the pandemic had never happened, I would have been okay with being alone because you can be alone and be at a public place and sit in a corner. It's different when you can't go anywhere and you have to sit True. And be with yourself. And it's just you and your dog. And you're like, nigga, I need a woman around here. <laughs> and then I felt safe within myself to try to find a partner. Or the possibility of a partner. And I did meet one person that was amazing. It's just weird. Like, bro, you be thinking when you're young, you think your early 20s is going to be like, I'm sorry, for more or less the best time of your life. And that's when you'll find yourself and then you'll find a partner. But it's important for people, like whatever people are listening, to know that Some of us are late bloomers, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And then when you do get into the parts of your life like that, there will be challenges and unique ones, but if you have been trying to live a good life and be a good person, you will be more prepared for those. Yeah. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. 
But dating now is hard. It's very hard. Not even going to hold you. I've been debating if I'm going to get back on the apps or not. And I'm just like, mm. every time I think about it, I'm like, I think it's, I think the apps are also different for men and women. And I, I'm only speaking for straight relationships because I am a straight. <laughs> I think like for me, like let's just use hinge, which is what I use the most. I, for the most part, only date black women. I am outnumbered on dating apps by black women. And then plus, you got to think about in dating apps, it's tons of niggas, which I don't see their profiles that apparently are awful people (laughs) set up on their profiles or they don't know how to uh, set up their profiles. I wish I could say I was outnumbered with black men when I'm on Hinge. But Do you feel like it's not enough black men on Hinge? For sure. I've heard that from other women. So that's kind of how I feel like I'm in my own little. I don't present myself as a fuck boy, but I present myself interesting enough to where somebody will want to date me, mm-hmm. which has been helpful for somebody who is socially awkward. But it's just not like. It's not that much of a variety of black men which is kind of what lets me know that there's not enough on there because i feel like it's either like it's like one to three types of black men on there what are the three types i mean you got your just like classic hood niggas um the super super nerds or the the single dads that are like kind of coming out of their fuckboy era but not at the same time like i i can see that the single dad gym rat nigga who's <laughs> you know right. looking for a dog mom like oh <laughs> <laughs> it's just like those are the only types like i rarely see just like a regular relaxed Lay back, chill type, or or even like an athletic type nigga, like somebody who actually like plays a sport as a hobby and doesn't just go to the gym or some shit. I don't know. It's just, but with white dudes, you see all of that shit. It's from the country boys, the super preppy boys, the super corporate boys, the boys who ain't grown out of the frat boy scene. Like it's. The wannabe black white boys. The wannabe black white, the woke white boys. The wotips. Not the wotips. <laughs> the wotips. Uh, they call them snow tips. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> but it'd be so it's many. The ice trouble. <laughs> you got the rocker white boys, the one who swear he's finna get a music deal because he goes to Nashville every other day. For me, I have a variety of black women. So I have, all right, so you got, a lot of it is around occupations because it seems like a lot of black women, that's part of their persona. 
Mm. Like on dating apps wise. True. You got Nurse Bay, mm-hmm. Teacher Bay, Teacher Bay, Engineer Bay, Businesswoman Bay. But then you also have the black girls who are artsy, the black girls who are gym girls or are poetry music girls or I only date niggas or black men. And you got the black girls, but I date anybody, a.k.a. whites, the whites. (laughs) That's only what they're talking about. (laughs) And usually I'm going to swipe because they I know what they're looking for. And I'm not that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm mature enough to understand. Like, hey, we all got different journeys, baby. I'm going to let you find you, boo-boo. Right. Then you got the girls who don't do any of their profile, and you're like, what are you? What, are you, what is this? <laughs> what the fuck is this? I just got your age and your location and nothing else. Right. You got one picture. You're like, baby girl. Bitch, you want me to fucking do an investigation? <laughs> then you got the girls that clearly have looked up how to talk to people on social media and you're like, oh, you're socially awkward, babe. I'm a quick, hey, I'm a swipe always on socially awkward black women until you go on a date with a socially awkward black woman. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird feeling to date a socially awkward black woman. I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever actually like dated or talked to a socially awkward person ever. As a socially <laughs> awkward black man, I hide it well. Like you wouldn't just know True. that I'm just a weirdo. Because I've gotten well at hiding that, which is something I'll talk with my therapist about eventually. But <laughs> <laughs> glad you got some uh, spark notes for your therapist. Right. Oh, hey, I got tons of notes. Whenever these sessions start back, I'll be like, look, nigga, look, I done have to work for you. Look, help me get from here to here, nigga. I did look, I done done all the research for you. I got tons of notes. That's what I do. You know that better than anybody else. I got notes. We just need the filler work. Right. I need you to get me from here to here, coach. Put Fill me in the gap. Put me in the game, coach. But yeah, dating a a socially awkward black woman, we both be at the date like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) like, hey, when socially black, socially awkward black people who like other black people meet up, you're just like, damn, I didn't know you existed outside of me. And it's like, damn, this is a wild shit. Because you see it from the other end of be like, oh, so that's how I look to other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's cute. But then at times you're like, what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on? Uh, what? Who else we got? We got girl who's been hurt by some nigga and may have baby daddy issues. <laughs> And she's trying to date. Bless her heart. She is trying to date her hardest. But God damn it. Them demons in her past keep coming back. You just got to focus on yourself. Boo-boo. Right. <laughs> and you just got to walk away and be like, you know what? This ain't on me. <laughs> she is trying her hardest. And then that's the other thing. You could tell the difference. Yeah. The girl that's trying her hardest. He like, it just, 
it ain't in the cards, baby. Mm-hmm. You are a beautiful and wonderful person, but you got a lot of walls up. You got too much going on here. And it's two different types of those women. It's the ones that know that about themselves. And it's the ones that don't know that about themselves and project it onto you. But you're like, no, I'm not like the rest of these niggas. You can't just throw that shit on me because I have invested in my mental health. I'm not. I still got ways to come. I got a lot of shit. I got to work out. But you can't just be like niggas don't know how to say their feelings to me. Which gets me in a weird situation because you can't just throw it at me and just let that shit rot. And then it's two camps of those people. It's the people to be like, he's right. Or the people to be like, no, I'm going to fight this. This nigga has to be wrong. No, I'm not. not Some people just don't want you to be right. And then it's also the cool black chick who doesn't realize that you're socially awkward and when you do socially awkward stuff, you're like, nigga, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I think that might be me. That might be my category. <laughs> the cool chick. I've been trying to figure out which one of these I am. You haven't, I don't feel like I identified with any of them yet. <laughs> like, so you think you're like the cool oh. chick that's like, so what the fuck's going on with you, nigga? Yeah. For I, sure. I can see that. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, some of these, like, the thing about dating, for me, I've learned, some things you can't take personal. You got to realize that we all on different journeys. Mm -hmm. And some things may not be for you, but the person that they end up with or the person after you. And you're meeting them at the midway phase. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can't take it personal. And then sometimes you just got to be like, I may have fucked up here and here, but I'm on a noble path. It's hard to keep dating after you get there, though. Because you'd be like, bro, what the fuck is all this stress over? Yeah, because it's like, I don't want to keep doing this. (laughs) Right, no. And it's so draining, especially when you meet somebody you really connect with. But they're not the finished them yet. Mm. That's hard. That's very hard. And sometimes you have to let them go. And then sometimes you have to take where y'all are at right now and just trust the process. <laughs> but yeah, dating is hard. Like, don't get it wrong. Like, it's, Putting like also the other thing is like for me being a like vulnerable when people are afraid to be vulnerable makes it to where you feel like all right am I doing too much yeah but no you're just more in sync with yourself at this point to where you just can't take it personal you're just more comfortable with yourself yeah but I had a time of. Where I didn't date and I found myself in a healthier space to date. A lot of people didn't do the things that I did. And it's not always good. I did not date for like four or five years. 
just because the shit I was going through was so much to bear that I was like, the idea of bringing somebody in this situation is not good. And the other thing about dating in your 30s, some women have gotten there by the time she's 30, 31, 32, and she's trying to reexamine her dating Mm -hmm. goals and why they keep finding a lack of success. At first, you can blame the niggas that are out here because it's tons of bum ass niggas and it's easy to blame the niggas yeah <laughs> and it a lot of it is not going to be like a stretch to blame the niggas but at a certain point you have to look inward and do that shadow work mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like knowing you you'll know when you're ready to date the waters a little bit it might not be apps it might just be just go on a go on a couple of dates mm. <laughs> <laughs> i don't even have anyone that i would do that with i mean build your roster baby and how do i do that look <laughs> it's always weird when i feel like <laughs> i don't even i don't go out anymore like i don't do none of that shit no more I'm just paying these bills and resting my body. <laughs> the other thing is you don't want to do this in hot girl summer. Summer is where all the thoughts, men and women are out. When it's cold is when you want to kind of date out and date and just casually date and see what's happening. Yeah, but I don't want to start casually dating somebody when it's cold. And then as soon as it warm up, they be like, deuces. <laughs> And then try to come back around when it's cold again. You're not finna boomerang me, nigga. Based on, like, we've already set up a schedule for a cuffing season. <laughs> if you follow these techniques. <laughs> no, nah, but for real, just casually date in the summer. Nothing serious. Summer flings. Something happens, it happens. Then when fall happens, might date a little bit more intentionally. And let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. But I feel like you'll be okay. You've grown a lot. Inward. (laughs) Inward. Growth. We'll see. Also, I feel like the level ups you've done, dating is going to be different than the last time you were dating. I feel like you know yourself a little bit more. And then plus you feel like a level of independence that you didn't have earlier. Yes. Yeah. You worked for it. And you True. know what you can put up what you'll put up with and what you won't. Green flags are just as important as red flags also. Mm-hmm. And identifying them. I think that's the thing though. I feel like I have always had a bad habit of putting up with shit. For longer than I'm supposed to. Or just putting up with the wrong shit in general. Just trying to like. Give something the opportunity. But that's another thing. Like even if I if I do start dating. I feel like I have to approach things way differently. And be way more like cut and dry. With people. Because I just tend to. Or I used to tend to. 
see a red flag and be like, oh, well, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like, always being like, well, okay, this could get better. Or this could change. Or maybe this is just, you know. I've also had that problem. But for me, the more I dated, the more I was able to set up certain boundaries. Mm-hmm. And certain red flags that were no goes. Yeah. But no. The other thing is like for me for me the hardest thing was It's I, like when you fully know that you like somebody that'd be the hardest cuz that's the one that you want to like give all the leeway to. And you can't yeah, those be the ones that hurt your fucking feelings. But it's because you didn't set up the boundaries. Mm-hmm. For me, the idea of dating multiple people was freeing. Because it was like, it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. I feel like if I do that, I'm literally just not going to care about any of them niggas. Like, I'm just going to be so detached like go home at the end of the night nothing on my mind like i've dated women like that (laughs) no care in the world no interest or desire like on one of my many twitter accounts (laughs) i got tons of secret twitter accounts oh i told you that before right i know you know of at least one of them but i have like two other one of this one girl i follow she was like I just don't take any of these niggas serious. No matter what they say, I just don't take them serious. And I was engaging with her. I was like, I've, I've dated you before. <laughs> Not in real life, but I've dated person like you. And I was like, it's so frustrating when you're trying to be genuine and having to fight somebody in that phase. Yeah. I think that's what I'm used to also. It's just like, damn, I'm here just wanting some real shit with somebody. And everybody is so guarded up. But that's the freedom in dating other people. Playing the game. You're dating other people to where you don't feel like this is an in-all, be-all. Yeah. So it's like a freedom of being like, there's other people out here. And there's people that are interesting and there are people that you won't. Physically or even maybe uh, relationship-wise, it builds something with. But she, there are enough people out here to where it gives you a little bit of hope. That was freeing for me. Because I was always, I like one girl this year. If it doesn't work out, I'm bummed out for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Which is insane. <laughs> Like, to tell yourself, I am only going to try to date one girl this year. And if it doesn't work out, I am depressed for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think I'm the same way, though. Or I find that one person and just kind of fixate on them. That's how you be running through your boundaries and your red flags. Like, mm-hmm. I'm saying that, is, that for me, that was how I set up bad behaviors for myself. And to where you look back and you're like, what the fuck did I get out of this? That's the worst feeling. What the fuck did I get out of this? Because you should always get something out of uh, 
dates and relationships. Yeah, true. Good or bad, there's always should be something you learn yeah. from what happens. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to go to that darkness to understand what you were supposed to learn from it. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> I got a lot of people that be like, so do y'all talk about like relationship stuff? I'd be like, we literally talk about any and everything, especially relationship stuff. I feel like the way we talk, like I've been more open to talk about relationship stuff or dating stuff now because I feel like I have actually a little bit more experience with that. Mm-hmm. To where it's not just like I'm projecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was just all negative. <laughs> it was just all like everybody sucks. And Nobody f- wants what we want. Right. And these fucking weirdos out here. Everybody's weird. Everybody's hurt. <laughs> Come Which here. I mean, it is. It, is, it ain't wrong. <laughs> Everybody is fucking hurt out here. Yeah. That is absolutely true. But there are also people working through their hurt, including us. And I feel like for a while we were sitting on the sidelines hating. Hating them from outside of the club. Mm-hmm. Just because we were afraid to be vulnerable and get inside the club. And we didn't both been through our heartaches from being inside the club to where... The other thing is, that maybe this is our fifth year. We're yeah. grown. Yeah, our friends are, have been married or getting married and having babies and and we're dating. <laughs> Which not even over here. <laughs> I'm not e- I have not even taken that f- leap. It's scary, but it's is dope, bro. Especially when is that is that dope? When you meet somebody who you connect with, it's dope when you realize you have options. That was for me. Realizing that it's like, okay, I might go on a date with this girl. We might not hit it off. It's not the end of the world if we don't hit it off. True. That was freeing. Going on first dates with people and then going on people I went on multiple dates with and am still going on dates with. That's... It's just, it's just different. And then every now and then you meet somebody who hits you right into your insecurity, <laughs> right into your heart's dick, and you are like, God damn it, that woman got me. I'm stuck. <laughs> but that's also where the growth happens. Five years ago, I'd be like, this fucking bitch, <laughs> this fucking cut. <laughs> she a witch. She's <laughs> a motherfucking witch. Oh no! <laughs> you must, oh, she's a witch. Uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> burn her. <laughs> but now I'm like, this woman is clearly have issues. I'm not here to fix her issues because I am just a person. I am not God. God and therapy. And self-reflection are the only things that can fix her issues. Yeah. I was, um, I feel like that's where a lot of people go wrong in relationships. But I think it especially happens when you are not 
at a certain level of healing with yourself, but a lot of people put pressure on another person to like be the thing that gets them out of their whatever. Yeah. I was reading, it was like a series of tweets the other day from this like psychologist. And she specializes in like relationships and basically like childhood trauma and how it affects relationships. And a lot of people do that where they put pressure on just like one person to literally bring them out of every bad mood and change their world. And I think that's where a lot of people be having this shit fucked up. Yeah. Um, I guess no. It's a lot of people going into relationships with no accountability for themselves. Yeah. So they don't. They don't do the work. You know what I'm saying? Or they don't realize that they're supposed to work on fixing shit. Yeah. Um, I had, depending on how I edit this next episode, it may be this episode or a later episode. But I've been reading a book that examines that. And it connects how your traumas came from inadvertent childhood. And the other thing with, childhood traumas is you're experiencing them from the eyes of a child. Mm-hmm. The thing about that is there are certain distortions that happen when you're a child because you don't have a fully developed brain to understand what was happening. Mm-hmm. So your interpretation of what happened may not be what happened. Sometimes it will be what happened, but that's where it gets complicated mm-hmm. for me and for other straight people. Sometimes your relation with your parent of the opposite sex provides a window into your dating. Mm-hmm. Not saying that your parents are messed up. Your parents are messed up or anything like that, but parents are people. Which, for me, it took a long time to realize that. Yeah, me too. But when you give them that grace, you're able to also examine some of the things you may have inadvertently picked up. Like, for me, there was a theme in my childhood where I felt like I wasn't enough. As I was. I don't think that's what. My parents or. A particular parent did. Intentionally. But that's how I. Internalized it. Mm -hmm. And that has been a reoccurring theme. In my dating. And. That is something I've had to face. Lately. I started facing it once I started going to therapy. And I'm glad I didn't start therapy until I was in my 30s because I had a a level of to where I could really examine things and not hold things against my parents. And it was just like, okay, so this is how I 
we'll we'll talk a little bit about this later because um we'll talk about you people <laughs> but uh so i watched jonah hill's thing on netflix he made a movie about his therapist and it's called i think stoltz because his therapist's last name it's on netflix but he originally started making the movie about his therapist because he wanted to talk about him because his therapist was going through an illness and he he felt a love and comfortableness mm-hmm. with him. And at first, he was afraid to talk about some of the private things that happened with him. But eventually, the therapist was like, you have to use that to bring out certain things from me. Mm-hmm. So as it went on, Jonah felt more comfortable. And he was talking about what it was like to grow up as an overweight kid. And just some of the societal things that happened and some of the messaging that happened from his parents that he internalized. And of course, I felt a connection to that. But it also was eye-opening because... We're all born into imperfect situations. Our parents had a childhood. Mm -hmm. They had issues with their parents. They had issues with their uh, relationships before. Mm -hmm. Your parents got together. They had had issues with their current relationships. Mm -hmm. Even if that's with your father or mother. They're complex humans. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they didn't mean to give you the messaging that you wound up getting. Yeah. And it's just, it's scary when you start examining that because you'll be brought to tears about some things. But other things are a window into how you interpret relationships. Friendships or sexual romantic relationships but that shadow work is how you get to where you need to go mm-hmm. and I feel like in actively dating for me at this phase and then also getting therapy and all the research I did to try to figure out what the fuck was going on with me before I started dating I feel like I'm in a better place now. But you have to do the work. Yeah. As scary as it is. All right, we got to switch it up. (laughs) This shit got way fucking deeper than I thought it was going to be. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. So. You people. So, on Netflix, You People came out, which is directed by Kenya Barris and was co-written with Kenya Barris and Jonah Hill. It came out on Netflix, I feel like January 1st, maybe? Somewhere within the last week or so. And people have been 
excited because you got Eddie Murphy, you got Neil Long, you got uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, David Duchovny, That's a lot of people, Lauren London, Mike Epps, Lala, Young Miami. Yep, that's mean. I'm sorry. I'm gonna cut all that out anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a lot of people. <laughs> you people. Everybody was in that shit. Everybody, everywhere you turn, I'm like, damn. And I feel like it's a lot of people who, all right, it's a lot of camps. There are people who felt like they are tired of seeing the guess who type of thing. They didn't like the original guess who's coming to dinner. They didn't like the guess who with Bernie Mac and Ashton Crutcher. And they're like, why are they still doing this? All the conspiracy theorists and all those people are also on that, that wave. Then it's the people who had like ridiculous high expectations for this movie. What'd they say? Like they felt like because Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill are in the same movie, this has got to be the funniest thing of all time. Mm-hmm. And if not, that's that perfectionist fallacy shit. Mm-hmm. What this are this isn't a Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy movie though? Right. I feel like this is a Kenya Burris version of a Judd Apatow movie. Which I love Judd Apatow. Like, I love 40 Year Virgin, Knocked Up, Super Bad. All those, like, mo- like slapstick movies. That Those frat bro movies. Yeah. That's like, I, that's where we came of age. So that's mm-hmm. the type of humor I like. True. So I'm biased. How did you feel about the movie? Just as the movie itself. We'll talk about all the other outside shit as we go on. I mean, I thought obviously it was decent like i I actually enjoyed it there was funny parts for sure um it was definitely interesting seeing like actual different like character developments with the love interests like with jonah being a podcaster and then you know her trying to basically be um she was shooting for journalism or whatever and design and trying to move up in that (laughs) right so it wasn't like the typical like oh he has a corporate white collar job and she is a a high-powered nurse attorney you know what i'm saying like so i like that there was a little bit more relaxedness and nuance with that um also just with even like their personal styles and what they do for fun like i really enjoyed that but i will say that it was still there's still a lot of like clicheness to it yeah you know what i'm saying like there wasn't so much nuance that you didn't notice all the cliche shit Honestly, like they the way the way they did that movie, they put it in your face a lot more. Like especially with Eddie Murphy being, you know, s- super militant, <laughs> super super fist up, um, and then his parents being on the complete opposite side, except for his mom, who was just like super like we're gonna do matter and then. Right. That's like, I I do feel like there was like a slight flip with them towards the end to where 
like when the cousin came, Mike Epps, the cousin came in and he was calling Eddie Murphy's character who was went by Akbar, mm-hmm. his real birth name mm-hmm. Woody, mm-hmm. and it was like a little bit like nigga, I know I, you yeah. from. Like, when, I ain't finna call you this bougie shit you right. think you are. <laughs> like, nigga, you my cousin. You yeah, Woody. Yeah. Like, what did he say? <laughs> I knew you back in the, the what, cocaine? What did he say? Was it the Rick James? He said some album? shit like that. Yeah. 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 I think it was the Rick James album. Yeah. And then Eddie Murphy dropped the whole noble Muslim thing. He'd be like, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was. I feel like it was a bit ham-fisted, mm-hmm. but that's Kenya Burris. Yeah. Blackish, I loved Blackish, but Blackish was very ham-fisted. Uh, black as fuck, I actually thought was better because it was more like, you could tell that's more Kenya Burris. Mm. Ba- Barris, I keep saying Burris. Barris. I don't know. I, look, I know tons of niggas named Burris, but yeah. not, no nigga named it's Barris. It's Hannibal Burris. Like, right. It's easy to say Burris. I got Burrises in my family also. I don't know no Burrises. It's, some, it's a good bit of Burrises in Huntsville. Yeah, it is. But um, I feel like for me, uh, I like rom-coms and I like the predictable parts of rom-coms mm-hmm. like the tropes and stuff those aren't turnoffs to me yeah i feel like bro like what you, did y'all think this was gonna be like the godfather mm-hmm. did y'all think like this was gonna be like citizen kane or some shit <laughs> it's like a fucking rom-com on fucking netflix what the fuck did y'all niggas think was gonna be true like let's just be honest about it. like even like the dope eddie murphy movies coming to america Coming to America is actually ridiculous if you really think about it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Harlem Nights. I love Harlem Nights. Harlem Nights is a ridiculous. Also ridiculous, yeah. It's a comedy. It's yeah. not supposed to be like some, oh my God, it's got Eddie Murphy. He has to uphold. Nigga, it's a fucking. I do wish that they didn't go so much of the happy ending route. I, like it's 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 I'll, definitely I'll expected. It was too know. rushed. Yeah, it was. It it happened in the last like twelve minutes of the movie, so it was just like ah, I feel like y'all just try to wrap this shit up. It was so much growth in the last twelve minutes that you're like, this doesn't seem believable. I I understand that. Yeah. Um. Give us a part two, like if you want to do that, give us a sequel. Don't just like. Throw it in at the last three minutes of the movie where we at this wedding. You know what I think actually happened? I think. All right. So the first third of the movie is them meeting and falling in love. Mm -hmm. That that second third of the movie is where all the conflict comes in. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't get resolved in a matter that makes the film. Yeah. What would make it a good film no i well, get it the ending was the resolve but it wasn't it didn't it wasn't build fleshed up out. To that. Yeah. yeah it wasn't fleshed out in the same ways but what i think happened is in that second third of it they gave all the actors so much freedom to improv to improv mm. that it kind of didn't lead anywhere yeah it blew up but not like 
but I feel like that's the Judd Apatow type of feel because a lot of the 40 year old version and knocked up and stuff like that was not written. It was improv. So I think they gave them the freedom to do that, which gave funny moments, but it didn't build to the conclusion of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I get that there's lapses in fucking uh, the way they put the movie out. But first, let me talk about the things I did. Like Jonah Hill is hilarious. Eddie Murphy is fucking hilarious. Julia Wee Dreyfus is fucking hilarious. And I like the way all of them played together. Yeah. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. (laughs) Social media, specifically black Twitter, has been on one topic about this goddamn movie that has become frustrating at this point. Mm -hmm. There's no way that Lauren London would be with Jonah Hill. Basically, the how would Nipsey react? All of that, which I'm going to try not to get too deep into this shit, but we're going to talk about some things. For one, Lauren London and Jonah Hill do have good chemistry in this movie. Yeah, they did. I've seen people where they're like, but they don't kiss. They don't have a sex scene. And I'm just like. They did, but it just wasn't explicit. It wasn't. Niggas act like they wanted like a fucking porn scene. They they hinted at it. They let us know that shit was going down. But like. But I feel like that's also like not from a judgmental space. But this is where people don't understand intimacy outside of just sex. Mm Mm-hmm. They, like, in a movie, they have a couple-hour-long conversation the first date. And then they slowly build from friendship and become lovers. It's not explicit, but it's it's not far-fetched. Yeah. The fact that it's just a beautiful woman and a hilarious-ass nigga that seems to have a good sense of style, mm-hmm. that she would... They peeped each other's style. They peeped that they were both funny. And they hit it off. It's not the... We all know niggas like that. (laughs) It's not far-fetched. But let Twitter tell you, because, I mean, Lauren London is a sex symbol for our generation, especially. Nunu on Atlanta means something different. True. To us. And I get it. And I get that she's, uh, she was Nipsey's partner, and Nipsey means a lot to our culture and everything. But I feel like what's lost in all of this is niggas have forgotten that people are actors. People have jobs. It's you're not watching Jonah Hill and Lauren London. You're watching. The characters that they're playing that are made up fucking people, they're not Jonah Hill and Lauren London. But I feel like that's also part of like the TikTok TikTokization of things to where you feel like the reality, like all these horrible skits on TikTok and shit, and people be like, oh, I can't believe you. Like, nigga, that's a fucking made up skit. 
if y'all grew up in church plays like I did, you would know bad fucking acting and bad fucking written shit. Oh my god. But you niggas have watched enough Tyler Perry to where y'all think that all these tropes are just how fucking real people act. So now you watch a goddamn movie and you're like, oh, Lauren London would never be with Jonah Hill. You're right. They're not fucking Jonah Hill and Lauren London at this point. They're made up fucking people. They are actors acting. But it's a fucking movie, bro. Right, like, please calm down. Like, y'all doing too much. It's just like somebody was like, like, that that scene where she had the red bandana on, but, oh, Nipsey turning over his grave. What the fuck is wrong with you people? I will say this, and I'm not trying to be deep, so I'm gonna move on. The way that people are possessive over Lauren London and Vanessa Bryant's sexuality is disturbing. They act like they should never have another partner. This is outside of the movie. Mm-hmm. They act like they should never be able to date other people. Yeah. And that is so toxic because they lost the love of their lives. It's that possession over women. And it's only fucking women that they do that shit to. They don't do that shit to like, um, to like men when they're widowers. They're like, I hope he finds somebody good. Mm -hmm. Now you're like, I hope nobody, she don't ever date nobody. Like, nigga, get the fuck out of here. She lost the love of her life. She deserves happiness with somebody else that's able to give her what she needs in a partner I wish nothing but the best for Vanessa Bryant and for Lauren London yeah like do y'all expect them to be in a place of grievance for forever yes like y'all want them to just be miserable forever yes because niggas want people to be miserable with them and I refuse to put that evil out in the world and I don't know Kobe Bryant or Nipsey from the man in the fucking moon as far as what they actually felt. But I feel like if they, in the afterlife, they would want their partners to be loved by a person that can give them that love. Mm -hmm. So you as a Joe Schmo, why the fuck do you have such a strong opinion about that? And why are you applying this to a situation when Lauren London is a goddamn actress? Y'all didn't do this shit with uh, Michael B. Jordan, which is where we get to another thing. Her other love interest before this was Michael B. Jordan in Mm -hmm. that movie. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear not one goddamn word about Michael B. Jordan. And you know why? This is true. For two separate reasons. One, because Michael B. Jordan is black. Mm-hmm. And second, Michael B. Jordan is classically good looking. So y'all can accept that Lauren London would be in a movie with this good looking ass nigga. Classically good looking ass mm-hmm. nigga. But not Jonah Hill. Not Jonah Hill. No, he's white. And then a lot of people on black Twitter found out this week that Lauren London's father is white. I thought everybody been new. That's what I thought too, but niggas was like, "What?" 
Well, yeah, he's Jewish. I thought that was part of the obsession. It is. It was she was mixed. It is. Right. But niggas don't realize that. And also, Jonah Hill is fat. True. Even though he is not as big as he once was. But the other thing is, y'all be so obsessed with people's weight and projecting all y'all insecurities on people. But Jonah has talked about his weight and how he feels, and he doesn't like the way he wants his work to be, to speak for itself, not his weight. And niggas this whole week have been talking about his goddamn weight. Or that he's lame or some other shit. And as a fat nigga that's dating... <laughs> Do y'all really think fat people don't be fucking a date? I really think so. They really think like that shit. I really think that's what they think. And it's like, bro... How do we say this? <laughs> Mr. Still Your Girl comes in all shapes and sizes. I can make your girl laugh, nigga. I'm the most dangerous ass nigga out here. <laughs> Below the radar. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal your girl, but I can steal your girl. I ain't trying, but I can. That's the most dangerous energy to have. <laughs> right. But niggas be thinking... Niggas be... Look, bro. Men... Who are who identify as straight have to start re-examining some of the things that we be thinking. All of that shit that you think is gonna attract a woman ain't gonna be the things that attract a woman. And that's why some of you niggas that be in the gym nonstop don't have a goddamn personality and can't get a girl but oh so but she'll date a fat nigga. Yeah, I can make her laugh when we like good food, nigga. That's ha- that look that's halfway to a woman's heart. <laughs> <laughs> another funny thing is in that movie uh mike epps refers to Jonah hill as white berry white yeah which is the funniest <laughs> shit in that whole movie because Jonah hill will definitely steal your girl yeah for sure it's a whole sitcom trope of funny nigga with a fine ass fucking wife so we know that funny niggas get girls We've been through that. But niggas, like, bro, these it, these new internet niggas be trying to, like, find all these ways of why they're not getting girls. It's because you don't have a fucking personality and you're misogynist. Go to therapy. You'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> or just talk to goddamn women. I would think if you're attracted to women, you would want to talk to women to see what they might like but that's just me I'm a fat nigga what the fuck do I know (laughs) (laughs) using y'all goddamn logic what the fuck do I know we all know fat people that is getting dates and having sex but y'all niggas want to act like this shit is so fucking foreign when it's somebody that you don't find attractive like it's just it's frustrating as a fat person. And I'm one of them fat people that just say I'm fat. I don't say I'm bigger than no, I'm fucking fat. Yeah. Just because it's just like, come on, bro. What you, it's all right, bro. It's not the end. We can see you. Like, right. You, you, gotta, you don't got a sugarcoat shit. No.
Black History Month. It is. I'm going to be a nigga for life. Another one. Another, another Black History Month. Another one. Um, It was recently announced that uh, Smokey Robinson is going to come out with an album. What? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, soon to be 83-year-old Smokey Robinson is going to come out with an album. Name of the album is Gasms. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, bro, I wish we had video for that. No. <laughs> yes. No. no. Why? You know why, nigga. Gasms? Mm-mm. Uh, yeah. So Smokey Robinson is coming out with a with an album called Gasms, which seems to be a collection of love songs. <sighs> I'm just going to read y'all some of the titles. That goddamn Smokey Robinson, 83-year-old, what they call them, Oct- Octarians. <laughs> Smokey Robinson. Legend from fucking uh, Motown. Octaroons? No, uh, what they call 80-year-old niggas. Oh. Octa- I think it's Octarians. thought you meant like people that were... <laughs> Octa- Good afternoon, my Octaroon. Octaroon. <laughs> so here's the track list that's come out. Track one, Gasms. Track two, How You Make Me Feel. Track three, I Want to Know Your Body. Track four, I keep calling you. Track five, roll around. <laughs> Track six, besides. Not gonna lie, that's the most interesting title we've talked about. <laughs> besides? This freaky nigga. Uh, Track seven, if we don't have each other. Now that has been out. That is a dope ass song. And it's not some nasty shit. Track eight, you fill me up. I'm just trying to understand. This must be a Valentine's Day drop. I think it's coming out in April. And then nine. This oh, it's coming out April 28th. This is the nastiest title in the world. Nine. I fit in there. Smokey Robinson, 83 years old, has a track called I Fit in There. That is some nasty work. (laughs) (laughs) Nasty business. That is some nasty, nasty, nasty business, bro. I fit in there. It's that yo it's like hearing your great uncle talk nasty. Like you know Unc was getting pussy back in the day, but god damn it, I don't want to hear about that shit right now. No, sir. No, sir. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Keep these discussions go. between you and your homies. Strictly. <laughs> don't involve none of your family in this shit. <sighs> Gasms by smoke. Yes. <laughs> Old people have a way of saying things that is even freakier than like, like 
now niggas just be like, I'm gonna bust that bust that pussy open. <laughs> Somehow that is not as nasty as gasms. You shorten orgasms, bro. Yeah, like ew, that's already cringe. I know. It's so nasty. Ugh. It's like if he had a, a I always call Gina. Ew. <laughs> Mm-mm. This is China by that Smokey Rocks. That ain't none of my business. None of my business. Also in local news, <laughs> one Beyonce Giselle knows Carter first of her name, uh, Slayer of Baby Hair, Protector <laughs> of the Realm, announced her tour. Which we have been counting down for. They haven't set a lot of prices yet. There's a lot of speculation. Niggas is acting like it's Willy Wonka and she didn't put some golden tickets out here and some chocolate bars. Yeah, people need to calm down. The only niggas that should be pressed for tickets right now are niggas in Europe because they getting the shit. Mm-hmm. One of our followers and friends from our childhood lives in London. And, like, looking at her Twitter, she going through and trying to get tickets. I hope she come through. <laughs> now, them ticket prices were looking a little... Neverish. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh. <laughs> if that was U.S. ticket prices, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even attempt. And then the other thing is, like, the other tickets are... Uh, a lot of people have been posting, like, third party ticket sellers and those are going to be inflated prices as anybody who's ever gone to any concert Mm -hmm. or uh, sporting event knows you can't rely on those don't count yourself out baby everybody just nervous we we haven't been in this position with Beyonce for a while and you know what sucks the fucking most (laughs) seeing people who have been like I've been contributing to a rainy day fund for when Beyonce goes on tour I've been getting giving $20 out of each check for the last five years like you goddamn genius fuck cause we haven't no (laughs) I'll have can you put an extra ranch in my uh, (laughs) in my wing uh, combo (laughs) I've been getting extra on shit Knowing if I save that twenty dollars, I can fucking beat Beyonce tickets. I'm not financially responsible though to save up for some Beyonce tickets. I should, but I'm gonna be a nigga for life. I wonder how much they're gonna be for us. I'm thinking. I'm thinking like standard, like two fifty to three hundred for a decent seat. Bro, I looked on one third party thing. The highest seat I saw was like twenty eight hundred. That was the highest seat. The lowest seat was like five hundred. That's all third party resellers though. There's no way, bro. And then they were showing the layouts, and then like the pit for the Beyonce thing is Club Renaissance. I know that pit gonna be live as fuck though. That pit is gonna be going nonstop, bro. <laughs> that shit gonna be live though. It's gonna be niggas voguing left and right in that shit. 
I just look. I'll take nosebleeds. I'm one of them niggas now. I just need to be in the building. I don't give a fuck how close I am. As long as I'm in the goddamn building, I will be in the nosebleeds. I had good. I had good tickets to see Jesus. But after that, I'm like, bro, I just, I'm trying to be in the same arena as Beyonce. Mm. I did sign up for the alerts for Nashville. Yeah, I did too. Bruh. Ooh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bruh. Nashville go. in July. Right. We can stay with Steph. I already planned it out. I already planned it out. I'm glad we on the same page. Yeah. Also, I was like, oh, I do not want to go to Atlanta. It's yeah, too no. many. Look, it's going to be niggas in Nashville, but niggas in Atlanta be doing the goddamn most. The traffic for one, I'm not dealing with it. As soon as I saw the registration, I was like, yeah, let yep. me go ahead and. Me too. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, do I want to do Atlanta too? I was like, nah, fuck Atlanta. Like, let me go ahead and group C. I did think about registering for New Orleans. New Orleans going to be live, too. Yeah, for sure. Especially with uh, Break My Soul and uh, Big Frida. New Orleans and Houston. New Orleans, Houston, and Atlanta are the nigga destinations for this tour. True. Nashville is going to get... It's going to be niggas there. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be the same, though. Atlanta is... The black mecca of uh, this country. Mm-hmm. It's Wakanda, as uh, Clifford Harris once said. Mm-hmm. And then Nashville is white Atlanta. So. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I don't like Nashville. I don't hate it as much as I hate Atlanta. But I hate Atlanta for infrastructural reasons, not because niggas. Even though I be, I do be thinking Atlanta niggas are scammers. They are. They yeah, are. you don't gotta think. They are. Atlanta is big Birmingham. Big Birmingham is some wild shit to say. <laughs> Super wild. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my fucking mind. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. You can find all of our links and merchandise at www.thesuburbanpodcast.com. You can also get your listens in on any of these streaming services such as Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Subscribe. Episodes come out every Friday. Boom, boom, boom.